0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Monday. It's Christmas week, huh? And you know what that means. We're coming at you with our final episode of 2021. It's almost hard to believe. I want to first say thank you, everyone, for listening to the show, for telling your friends. We do appreciate that. This has been such a fun journey going through an entire year of working at a startup in the content marketing space and sharing stories about what we're learning and also bringing on phenomenal guests. So if you're a listener out there, if you're day one, or maybe even if you're just starting, I want to say thank you. Also to all the guests out there, you've been amazing. You've really helped make this show to what it is today. We do appreciate that. We hope everyone enjoys some time away from the work. Get away from the grind. Enjoy time with your family. Enjoy... Time by yourself, whatever puts you in that happy place. Today, we are closing out 2021 by talking about an important trait of the modern day marketer that is putting audience first. Jonathan and I get into a conversation around that. Make sure, if you're not already, hit the subscribe button. We're going to be coming back with more 3C podcasts, and it might have a different name. There's a little teaser coming up on the other side of this. Take care of yourself, and let's get it going. One more to go. What is up, everyone? Thank you so much for being on the journey with us this year. This will be the last podcast episode that we are dropping in 2021. Yeah, I'm trying to get my uh, pandemic years in order, which is uh, crazy. It's been a fun year. We've talked a lot. We've heard a lot from you. Um, We're going to cover off on a topic, modern day marketer topic, which is on our list of traits. It's number one. So we're closing out the year with the number one uh, trait, which is audience first. Before we dive into being audience first, Jonathan, it's crazy we've completed uh, a year of these this podcast. Uh, what do you think? Like, how, how are you feeling about everything?
1: I'm feeling good. It's uh, I'm like you. I've kind of lost track of years and when years start and end, and we've got a fiscal year and pre COVID, post COVID. Uh, it, it feels like uh, we're all just kind of spinning a little bit, but it's been fun. I was looking; I think even your year anniversary as uh, joining the juice is coming up. It's fun, you know. You get so in the weeds in the day to day that I'm looking forward to our fiscal year runs through the end of January, and I've started thinking about like year end reporting and planning. And it's fun to think about like this was nothing uh, a, a year ago, not even a year ago. There was there was nothing, so. Even though day-to-day it feels maybe a little overwhelming, it's cool to see kind of the fruits of that labor over the long haul. Give yourself
0: some credit. It wasn't nothing. You were out there flying solo and building a team. So um, yeah, it's wild. I'm coming up on that year. It's been fun and there's going to be more. And I'll also put a little teaser out there for audience members. We might potentially be uh, rethinking or rebranding this podcast. So you don't have to do anything. But just notice that it might look a little different sometime in January. It might be called something different. Uh, more to come on that. I'll explain everything when that does happen. Let's get into the topic. Audience first. I think I wanted to start with this because I was uploading uh, Matthew from Flips Modern Day Marketer contribution today. I was doing the whole upload, Webflow, distribute content. And I, I've read it a few times, but I reread it today. Because the topic that he wrote about is relevant to this conversation, so the title of this you can go to the you can go to the juice to go read this, um, and if you're not already sign up to be a member, it's free. What are you doing? Enough plugs. But the title of this is "Putting the Audience First: A Journalist's Approach to Content Marketing." I'm going to read an excerpt, Jonathan, from his from his article, and then I want to get your reaction on it because I think it'll be a good launching off point for this conversation. So. He wrote, the truth is our buyers have very specific needs and just like our counterparts in the journalism world, we need to build trust with our buyers so they will let us meet those needs. We do it by putting them first, by being relevant, timely, and complete. We educate them on topics they need to understand and we provide solutions when they're looking for help. If that sounds oversimplified, it is. But in a digital world, where more buyers than ever want to self-direct their buying journey and rely on content to do so, it's the marketer who puts the audience first that will win every time. What's your reaction to his words there?
1: Should we even record the rest of the episode or just stop there? Uh, I think he said it more eloquently than I can even, but that's awesome. You have even talked about, we have talked about a lot, the like me-centered marketer uh, I've seen others category pirates talk about the disease of me, and I, I think it kind of goes back to that old school B2B playbook of uh, we're going to do what's best for us to make it as um, I don't think like I don't think there's anybody intentionally going. I, I'd like to think maybe that's uh, not fair, but I'd like to think there's nobody out there saying like I'm going to do this because it serves my interest and not the interest of our audience. I don't think anyone's intentionally going against their audience needs. I think what they're doing is potentially. Prioritizing their own needs, their own goals over their audience goals. And I think that's when it becomes a slippery slope. You know, obviously, the, the best case scenario is you find something that helps your audience reach their goals and helps you hit your goals. But so much of the, I think, old school B2B marketing playbook is set up for exclusively me uh, or the marketer. And um, I think the good marketers like uh, Matthew from Uber Flip and the Uber Flip team. Have started to change that. You know, they're above and beyond. You know, serving their audience and and they're winning with that. And uh, I think more and more that's becoming the playbook, and that's what we want to help marketers be able to do. Yeah, and I don't want to lose sight of the
0: fact because I want to get into some maybe an example that I'm going to toss at you, and just like the different stages I think I've observed in conversations, seen companies in. But I, I think you hit on something that's really important that. There is this world where, you know, people might observe marketing and think of marketing and just doing audience first stuff or doing brand stuff is just like fluffy marketing activities. That is an observation that comes from people who might not be in marketing, but might just have this perception of marketing. I think like I've sat on the demand side, I've sat on the brand side, I've sat in both. And I think there's just this common misconception, and I think like the fact of the matter is, is like we can be audience first and also drive towards our KPIs, and also work for a company that's trying to drive revenue. Like there is common ground there, and I don't think they're separate. I think they work together. But I think a lot of business, a lot of marketers might lose sight uh, and might not even know what they're doing, but based on just the historical playbook of B2B marketing, they fall into these traps where they decide to index on things that are pointed towards their KPIs and sacrifice building those brand relationships and that opportunity because of it.
1: Yeah, I think in the contribution from Matthew there on Uberflip came from our ebook, around quantity versus quality. And I think that's a great example of, you know, I know there are content teams out there that have a goal or a KPI that is probably publish 50 blog posts this quarter. It's like your buyer doesn't give a flying expletive about how many blog posts you publish for quarter. They're not they're they're not searching for companies publishing X amount of blog posts. Like that's just absolutely crazy. Who is that serving? Yourself in your own KPIs that you're trying to hit. You know I, maybe the the better way to structure that goal for your audience is to would be around visitors or uh, time on page or return visitors that yes 50 blog posts might be the vehicle to get you there but what are you prioritizing are you prioritizing the quantity or the quality or the needs being met of your audience with those blog posts I think that's such a classic example and it goes back to the ebook that Matthew was uh, helping us with and uh, I think it's just so well aligned with that theme of quantity versus quality as well.
0: The best thing about the traits of the modern day marketer is that they all intertwine and weave into, they're they're not. They're all together. Um, they're broken apart, but they're all together. Um, and I'll put in the show notes, I'll put a link to the traits again, if you are a new listener, just so you can check that out. But I want to start with an example. So I was like, thinking in my mind, like what, who is the premier premium example of a company that has built what they were doing the right way, built what they were, uh, their product, their content from an audience first perspective And one company stood out to me. And I think it was because they started a movement around a topic and they created content that was how to on this topic. And then it was like, oh yeah, we have a product that supports that. And I think this isn't just my opinion. I, 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 this, Company has come up probably in more conversations for me than any other, but I'd love to get your insight because I'm going to say the name of this company and you're going to react. But the the company that comes first to mind is HubSpot. They they everyone everyone goes to HubSpot to learn. Everyone does inbound marketing because they they started talking about inbound marketing. Everyone uses their product because they trust HubSpot and they've earned that trust. So. To me, that's a company that's certainly audience first. I'd love to get your reaction. Just I know HubSpot's in your heart and mind at some level.
1: Like, give me your give me your reaction to that. I totally agree. And we should have done the Step Brothers like three, two, one brand, because I, I had a feeling that's where that was going. But I mean HubSpot's incredible and they're they're a great example of inbound marketing. Yes, and I think this is uh, another like quantity versus quality, they aren't mutually exclusive. HubSpot publishes probably more content than almost any other B2B company in the world, but it's all helpful content. You can't search for almost anything in the B2B space without finding HubSpot content, but it's always helpful. It's you know free templates or things that aren't related to their product. Like They just want to be a resource for uh, you and what you're searching for. They want to build the brand affinity and they know you'll come back uh, once you're ready for what HubSpot sells, which might not have even been the content you engaged with, but they've now built that trust in that relationship. Uh, so I, I think that's a, a great example on, on several different fronts.
0: You know, people go to HubSpot to learn. Their articles always show up. People always use them in as an example. And they, they as a business have, have, have scaled to being one of the most probably prominent martech companies, software companies in the space, but they have not compromised the core tenants that have made HubSpot HubSpot. I, I think that's interesting. And for me, it's like they've always been audience first. Has there been anything just in your observations of watching HubSpot scale over the years that stands out to you just in terms of like them focusing on the people that are hitting their website, wanting to learn from them?
1: It kind of goes back to what I was what I was saying about um, you know writing content for things that their product doesn't even solve for just because they know it's helpful content. Uh, you and I we've talked about it. Started our career at Exact Target, acquired by Salesforce, competitor of HubSpot. Like early in my career, there was a long time where like I didn't actually know what HubSpot did. I was very familiar of who they were, their brand. Probably consumed a lot of their content, but. I didn't know exactly what HubSpot did. I knew it was some sort of marketing tool or thing, but I, I, you know, I wasn't a user, uh, but they were a good resource. And then we started the juice and guess who we're, guess who we're using? HubSpot, right? So uh, just a good example of building that trust and that, that equity and that affinity with their people who engage with their content and knowing that the long game, uh, which we've also talked about on this podcast, will pay off
0: no doubt about it. I love the long game players out there. Um, and I think one of the things that long game players do, and I think companies like HubSpot, and here's a topic that I, I think is, or a, I would say a, a word that I think is underrated in marketing and I think drives audience first behavior is this idea of access or accessibility. Um, I don't think it gets talked about enough, but Just letting your stuff be available for other people to read and learn from. I think HubSpot has started communities. They've, you know, they regularly publish videos that are, you know, specific to each segment of the market that they serve. I think access is important to what we're doing at The Juice. Uh, Maybe share some perspective on just access from an audience first perspective.
1: Yeah, I love how you weaved communities into the access piece to me, I think the the classic example of access is forms, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. Like Nobody in your audience has ever come across a form and been relieved. Like So I think that's one example of access. The the other brand that I was thinking about as you were kind of previewing HubSpot, and I think this also speaks to access, is Gong. And how I think about access with Gong is they're sharing their data from their platform. Um, And I think that's like, Incredible access into data that's really, really valuable and can help you be better at your job, whether or not you use Gong. We don't use Gong yet, but I know our team references Gong's content regularly and uses some of that data to our own advantage. And sure enough, when we have the resources and the budget to um, purchase a Gong software, a, a not even Gong specifically, but a you know call recording sales intelligence software. Gong's who we're going to go to, they built that trust again. So I think it's access to that data and those resources as well as access to the actual content itself.
0: I'm going to run a little experiment here. If there's anyone out there that's a regular listener to the 3C podcast and you know someone at Gong, challenge to share this with someone at Gong and have them reach out to us to have a conversation. I would love to see if that works. But just speaking of Gong, they were the other example in my mind. So you you took that for me. I think the other like piece of audience first and access with Gong that I think is really important is this idea of the individual or the individual creator. You can't get on LinkedIn without seeing some new face from Gong sharing some new piece of content. So they they believe that their people are their premium or primary distribution channel. And I think from an audience first perspective, like people don't want to hear from like brands. People want to hear from the people at those brands. And I think that's just something that I've seen over this year of just brands that are like driving past other brands are the ones who are leading with their people and not their product or not just their, their company logo and brand.
1: There's absolutely a rise of the B2B influencer. And I don't mean like influencer in the like B2C world of influencer where they're, you know, posting TikToks and uh, sultry Instagram posts. No, there is. I mean, I think there is a case to be made. I know Chili Piper is a brand that's successfully using TikTok. So I'm not anti-TikTok, but I think like B2B influencer, like it is the personality, the um, voice, perspective, the point of view on the marketplace that those individuals, I think are carrying on the brand's behalf in so many instances. And I think you're absolutely right. Those brands are running laps around other brands right now.
0: And I think uh, just we'll, we'll move to the the final part of this conversation. But just like I think with an example that always just comes to mind too is I'll, I'll I'll throw out drift here too. Is like originally we you know I got sucked into the drift funnel. It was uh, I was listening to uh, seeking wisdom and I was listening to the podcast and I thought it was really good and it was really good because it was like a a, a business conversation where it got me to think a little bit different, but. Drift understood this idea that people buy from people. And so they started to highlight all of their people and they gave different people who are working on product or marketing or sales shows. And so no matter what you were interested in, Drift had a show that was likely for you, that was likely led by an individual at the company. And I think there's something powerful around that. And I don't think that's something that you can just look at Drift and go replicate it. But I think to me, like audience first companies are the companies that are per- putting their people in their ideas up front.
1: Yeah. Drift's a great example. Um, kind of speaking back to that community. I, I think I was probably a later adopter of Drift than uh sounds like you were, but I remember they had Drift Insider, which was like a, a community of, and it was a content driven community of kind of, exclusive content that was helpful to marketers. And I remember when I first discovered that I was like I was pleasantly surprised and relieved and like surprised that it was free, right? Like because it was such high value content and it felt very exclusive and very valuable. I, I remember like looking into it being like, oh what am I gonna have to pay for this? And then it was just like, you know, it's free. Uh, so I think that's uh, goes back to that accessibility, the community building. And just building content that, you know, your audience wants, regardless of, you know, the monetization model of the business or the content itself.
0: Yep. So, uh, accessibility. And I think, uh, if we're up here talking about your company on a podcast and you're doing all of these things that we just mentioned, it's like, you've probably done the most important thing, which is build trust. And I think at the end of the day, being audience first is all about building trust. So I'm going to like share these four different examples with you. And I, I want to see if like, these are, this is kind of how you've been seeing things in the content marketing world between teams, but like there are four different, if there was a stages of being audience first, I see it in like four different buckets. The first buckets are, we're doing marketing like we've always done and don't plan on changing. So there's, there's the one. And then kind of the next step into it is we're doing marketing like we've always done, but know we need to change. And the next step is we are taking the steps to change, but aren't quite there yet. So maybe just it's a time thing. Maybe it's you know ripping out a little bit of old, or replacing it with the new. And then the final stage is we've made the transition. We're seeing results. So like, I think- uh, the, the, the one side of it is, you know, we've always been doing things this way and we're not going to change because we get results where then the uh, like the extreme audience first side is like we've made the changes. We've ripped out old things. It's taken a while to establish our content strategy, but we're now seeing results. People are becoming fans. We're in their hearts and minds. That's kind of like the maturation curve of being audience first that I've observed. Um, from companies this year. Um, We'd love to hear like, has, have your observations been similar, different, like anything you want to do to chop that up?
1: I like I like the four stages. It's interesting. I, you know, of those four stages, I would say the two easiest stages are one and four. I think two and three is where it gets clunky and painful. And you're going to have uh, people argue, arguing probably internally about what matters, what goals matter, uh, what are our priorities, what are our incentives? And I think that's uh, that can be discouraging to people trying to get to four. And I think once you get to four and are doing four well, it's so it starts to happen so organically at that point. I have been, you know, I would say my previous role or a previous B2B marketing role, I was probably one or two. And we were in an industry, healthcare, that is just a little more old school uh, from the space we were in specifically. And so there was maybe not even, there wasn't a lot of audience even in that space. But, you know, I remember just like, we're doing things because that's the way they've always been done. And I think one can also work depending on what your goals are. Like you're going to hit those goals because it's for you. Right. But I think long term, that's not going to work for the business and the business ultimately won't be successful because of that. But, I think one is like, you can just be kind of in your comfort zone. You know, we're going to get this many lead captures this quarter. This is how many website visitors we need for that. This is how many blog posts we need for that. And you can just be kind of rolling along in that. And then I think you have to experience some pain, some necessary pain in two and three to get to a four. And that will ultimately serve the business better longer term. I love
0: it. It's weathering the pain and being able to endure that to get on the other side this has been a fun year of this podcast. It's been a fun year of building the juice, creating content, all of that good stuff. I think I'd be remiss. We're talking about audience first, but not just to say thank you to the listeners out there, everyone who's taken the time to turn on the podcast when you're driving in between meetings, on a walk, whatever it is, we appreciate it. Um, We appreciate you and, and listening to our point of view. We've seen the numbers going up. So we know there's more of you, which is awesome. Um, Jonathan, anything you got in closing for the fine people listening to the podcast?
1: I would just echo that sentiment. Thank you. I'm always surprised when uh, we see the numbers, um, amazed by uh, how many people are listening and engaged. So truly, thank you uh, for making this this journey possible. We've got some things up our sleeve for next year that we're excited to share with you. And uh, onward and upward and into 2022.
0: A special thank you to you, the loyal listener of the 3C podcast. It's been such a positive year for us at The Juice. We've learned so much from you. Enjoy your holiday season. Get away from work. Close the laptop. Turn off all the notifications. Sign out of Slack. You know all the deal. Take care of yourself and take care of others around you. Happy holidays. We'll be back in 2022.